What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. Having a weird hair slash beard day. I used a different shampoo today, and uh, everything's very everything's very airy and poofy. I'm due for a trim anyway, so yeah, it is what it is. Until then, we'll just keep reading stories and looking like a slob. Also, I found a workaround for the Spotify podcast issue that I mentioned briefly in today, yesterday's uh, Tales from the Front Desk. For some reason, Spotify for podcasters won't work on the, uh, on the web browsers, on any web browser, incognito, not incognito, on the phone web browser, whatever. It does work through the app, but it's an extra two or three steps to be able to get all those files saved to my Google Drive or transfer them over, whatever, and then do all of that podcast setup from the phone. When you get older, Doing everything from the phone gets a little more difficult, but I've figured it out. It doesn't take too much longer, maybe an extra 15, 20 minutes, so at most. So, hey, we can keep the podcast going too. All right, let's read some tech stories. Printer problems. While serving in the military, you meet some of the smartest and dumbest people on earth. While serving in a joint interface control cell, my watch captain called me over to figure out why he couldn't print products for our upcoming commander's brief. So I opened the device's menu under the control panel and realized his printer isn't mapped to his profile. I say, sir, your computer can't see the printer, therefore you're unable to print. He promptly smacks my hand out of the way with confidence and turns his monitor in the direction of the printer asking, can it see it now? This man, well above my pay grade at the time, really thought the computer had some type of innate ability to autonomously see and connect to other devices by pointing the monitor in a certain direction? I couldn't let this situation be only witnessed by myself, so I give him the IT help desk number so my coworkers could get a piece of the action. To this day, it astounds me that a military officer can make his way through the ranks and still not have a basic understanding of how computers and peripherals connect on a network. Even if you didn't have a cursory understanding of how all that works on a network interface, you would still think that, like, he'd understand that, like, this monitor's not a human being. It's not an animal. It's not a line of sight thing like that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. What do I know? What you said is impossible. Several years ago, a friend of mine asked me if I could possibly help his grandmother with a computer issue. This was in the days of high-speed 56K internet connectivity. And his grandmother lived 100 miles away. But since he's a good friend and he seemed about at the end of his patience, I agreed to go check her system out. Here's the problem as he explained it to me at the time. About three months ago, her computer began randomly freezing for anywhere between 10 seconds and one hour at a time, and then returning to normal. Her neighbor convinced her that this was due to her internet provider, so she changed ISPs to a different provider. This, of course, didn't help her at all. She then packed up the computer and drove it to the nearest larger town and left it at a local computer repair shop for a week. After a $200 bill, she brought her computer back home and reconnected everything, and almost immediately the freezing issue returned. So she again took the computer to a different repair shop with the same results when she brought it back home. So then she took her computer to her office and hooked it up in a recently vacated room there. Miraculously, for the two weeks her computer was at her office, it never once had a freezing issue. So she brought it back home and hooked it up. Of course, the problem immediately returned. My response was, well, but when we figure it out, it will make perfect sense. So that weekend, I scheduled a time and began my almost two-hour drive to their house. When I arrived, she was sitting on the front porch waiting for me and took me to her computer to waste everybody's time trying to fix something that couldn't be fixed. 
Almost as soon as I began using her computer, she exclaimed, There! There! See? It just froze up! Because as I went to click on the control panel icon, the mouse quit working. I simply navigated with the keyboard and everything worked fine. I hopped out of the chair and went and retrieved an old wired mouse. I happened to have in my car. When I plugged it in, everything worked great. She told me that changing the mouse wouldn't fix it. I asked her if she'd taken the mouse with the computer to either of the repair shops or when she took it to her office and she said no, but that still couldn't be the problem. A couple months later, my friend told me that his grandmother still thinks the mouse fix was a fluke, but she had not had another freezing problem since. To this day, I occasionally tell this story with the moral being, that seems impossible, but once we figure it out, it'll all make perfect sense. So I'm assuming it was... Was it radio interference on a wireless mouse? Was it uh, dead batteries or dying batteries on a wireless mouse? I'm still not sure exactly what it was, but something to do with that wireless mouse had an issue, but I don't know. I might have still argued the point like she did. Eh, that won't do anything, but once it was fixed, I'd say, oh, well, I guess that was it. She just couldn't bring herself to admit it, but eh. Yeah, that's not one terabyte. Family tech support. Today, just after lunch, my cousin, we'll call him Dan, dropped by for a visit. I'm more or less the family tech support guy, so every time a relative comes by, I'm 50-50 about what they need. So Dan brought a brand new, one terabyte Western Digital Elements. According to him, he was transferring files when suddenly the transfer just stopped. He said he restarted his laptop and retried the transfer, and it wouldn't proceed. It was a bit of a shake in the drive itself. I had a bad feeling, but I didn't want to be too pessimistic. So we went to my room, transferred his files to drive with some space, and started poking around. I first checked the properties and then saw the format was set to XFAT. My heart sank. I then proceeded to explain about that there's a good chance that the drive was fake. Basically a low capacity drive with firmware that made it look like it had a bigger capacity. No, that can't be true, Dan said. He apparently got it from a friend for a good price, and that the guy was legit. He then proceeds to say that his friend told him to just reformat the drive. Knowing better than to argue with him, I just mentioned that there's a good chance the hard disk would stop working if we did a reformat, and then proceeded to do a quick format when he said to just reformat it. I asked him if it would be okay if I used NTFS. He said to go ahead and that I knew this sort of stuff better than him. Formatting stalls and refuses to continue. We basically waited at least 10 minutes. Then Dan asked if it normally took that long. I was snacking by this point. I said no, and that I did mention that this would happen. Then begins the accusations, that I intentionally broke the drive, that I was making him look stupid, etc. I suggested we try a couple other reformatting methods just to stop his tirade. Disk management? Nope. Command prompt format? No dice. And the tirade restarts, about paying him back or giving him one of my drives to replace the one that I broke. Doing my best to not slap some sense into Dan's face, I suggested that maybe we should open it up, which then triggered another rant about breaking the hard disk drive more. I then proceeded to open up and reassemble a drive on my table, then have it boot up no problem. Finally convinced that I did know what I was doing, Dan gives the proverbial nod and I use the smallest flathead that I had to shuck open the case. What did we see? A 250GB 2.5 inch hard disk drive that based on the sticker was a refurbished drive from a Lenovo laptop. Product date was 2009. My blessed cousin then proceeds to leave the house without saying another word and leaving his new hard drive on my desk. About an hour ago, Dan called to ask where he can get a 1TB hard disk drive. I ported him to a couple of places I knew were safe, but a tad pricey because I still wanted my pound of flesh, and told him to ask the salesperson to reformat the drive in NTFS just to be sure. 
He didn't even mention he wanted his drive back. So now I have a new paperweight. Sorry for the rant, but that felt good. Edit. Not an IT professional, just someone who knows his way around computers. Well, I can't say I've never been uh, hoodwinked into buying a uh, refurbished drive that looked bigger than it actually was. Uh, but usually what I do is when I get on to reformat them, I kind of see what the size is and everything else. And uh, I know right away that it's a small drive, even though it may say one terabyte or whatever. Uh, most of the time, those were 500 gigs back then that I was messing with. So they would say 500 gig, but I knew that there was just no way it was 500 gig. So yeah, I've kind of learned my lesson on most of that stuff. Although, like I said, in one of my previous stories, I don't remember which channel, but anyway, I am a cheap SOB. So I will take a chance once in a while, but I usually don't get hoodwinked more than once every so often. Maybe. We know it isn't on our network. It's your product. Narrator. It was, in fact, their network. So a customer of ours who has the ear of our CEO bought our cloud video solution. Their hardware had no issues getting video to the cloud. Bandwidth was great. Hardware working is designed. However, if anyone dared to play back that video, it would buffer. Buffer constantly. Like in the bad old days of dial-up and the nascent days of live video feeds. Of course, this upset the head honcho of our customer. To the point they run it all the way up the flagpole to our CEO. We get every engineer involved. We send two of my guys out to their site. We run our usual tests and everything's checking out. The customer's getting the one gigabyte per second service they're paying their ISP for. We can play back from the cloud back end fine on the laptop over a Netgear Nighthawk on AT&T. Our engineering is stumped. Customer is pissed. Customer IT is, it isn't the network, it's your shit product. Finally, one of our engineers captured enough data with Wireshark to find the problem. You see, streaming video is kind of the same anymore with HTML5, playback and whatnot. Turns out the customer's WAN optimizer was treating their mission-critical video streaming exactly the same as though it was an employee watching the latest viral challenge on TikTok. The video streaming the customer wanted was being given the lowest priority. Mind you, IT fixed the problem right away, after the previous weeks of, It's not us, it's you. Moral of the story, if you have things in your estate that you hired a contractor to set up, be mindful of that equipment and what it may be doing. If you were the one who set it up, you should damn well know you have a WAN optimizer indiscriminately deprioritizing video. Well, there's something new that I learned. Uh, I mean, I know you can set different priorities for things, but I wasn't even thinking about network stuff, so... Hmm. Alright. Something to look out for. No, I definitely can't fix that now. Brief story, but a fun one. I was working at a telecom dealer in sales. However, we were in a pretty remote location, so a good portion of my duties were on the repair side of things. A customer walks in. Hey, I've had this phone for about eight months now, and it's causing me nothing but problems. It keeps turning off by itself, and there's a huge crack in the screen. It's under warranty. Can you fix it? Sure, give me a sec to see if I can figure out what's going on with the phone and what warranty coverage you have. Well, I'm covered for everything, so just replace it. At this point, I've really only done surface-level diagnostics on this BlackBerry, and I can see that the litmus paper is nearly glowing red and the screen clearly took an impact. I can also see that there was no additional coverage purchased for accidental damage, so this guy is absolutely not covered. The look on his face is like a happy little pug, blissfully unaware that he's totally boned. Hey, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but because there was physical damage to the phone and you didn't purchase any additional coverage, we won't be able to replace this for you. 
I can get you a repair cord if you'd like, but you're most likely better off purchasing a new one. No effing way, dude. I got all the additional warranty and stuff. You need to fix this. I'm sorry, but there's not much I can do here. We might be able to repair it if... He grabs his phone off the counter, proceeds to smash it against the counter and physically snap the phone in half, <laughs> then throws it back down on the counter. Yeah, what about now? You going to fix it now? Me, sweating. No, I definitely can't fix that now. He didn't appreciate my answer, so he left the store, cursing and yelling. Before he left the store, he threw the phone at me and threatened to switch to a different provider. I never saw him again, and he wasn't missed. I don't know where this story takes place, but in the U.S., um, if he smashes his phone, that's on him. Uh, deliberate damage. Unless you got some sort of sweet deal where, like, Craftsman used to have, you know, no matter how it got damaged, they would replace it for free. Which I doubt for any cell phone, especially back with the Blackberries and stuff. But, uh, yeah, if he throws something at you... That's pretty much assault, or at least attempted assault. I don't know. I think I would have pursued that one. I would have definitely called the cops. Ghosts in the machines. So yesterday, a ticket came in that our MFP wasn't working. I took a quick look at the screen, took down the error code, and contacted our vendor. This issue only happens when the printer has received a print job that's using an incorrect driver. Hmm. We use a print server. The drivers are all there. That must mean that someone's printing directly to the MFP. I inquired with our service desk. Apparently, while I was out last week, the print server had a little hiccup. They set a few people up to print directly to the MFP while the issue was resolved. Of course, they didn't note down who they set up. So somewhere on 130 plus machines, there's a job being retired that's bricking the MFP seconds after I restart it. Better yet, this particular issue is also bricking the web interface, so I can't get into restrict printing down to the print server via the built-in access list. It's all one flat network. Segregation coming soon. So that's the only easy way to do it. So I wire directly to the printer to segregate it from the network and get it to access control list, reasoning soundly that no one will be able to contact the machine if it's not plugged into the network. Then, as I'm logging into the interface, the MFP bricks again. My mind was racing. How could this be? It's off the network. Maybe the issue isn't exactly what the vendor described? Does this need another call out? And then it hits me. A stone sinks to the pit of my stomach. And I check my own print cues. <laughs> yup. Sounds like your machine was the one doing it. Or at least one of them. And, you know, it's not your fault. Uh, like you said, someone, somebody set it up to print directly to the MFP. And uh, they didn't take notes. And they didn't change it back when everything was fixed. So, yeah. People just kind of doing things half-assed. Gotta love it. Network connectivity can affect a printer's GUI? I've been in the game for a short time. I've been picking up pretty fast and manage a cardiologist practice of 130 plus users, including remote. We switched to the hosted and cloud version of their EMR recently, and some devices were affected. It didn't make sense to my inexperienced mind. Why are we suddenly having printers being unresponsive? How would network connectivity slow down the local GUI of the printer itself? It was insane. Anyway, when I got to my workstation and pinged the device, I knew it had to be a network issue. Instead of the roughly 1 millisecond pings, we were getting huge spikes constantly in the 20 millisecond to 50 millisecond range, sometimes larger. It baffled me until I disconnected the Ethernet cable from the printer, and it suddenly became super responsive. No network connectivity equals faster printer, but also nobody could print from it well. So anyway, I found that the cable running from the patch panel to the switch was bad. It took me forever to diagnose. I had no idea. I have no idea what I just read here. Uh, none of it makes any sense to me. I'm not really a network guy. I try my best. I do a lot of Googling and watch a lot of videos, but uh, this one's got me a little bit stumped. 
So I'm sure one of you guys can explain it down below way better than I can even try to muddle through it. I'm pretty sure I would have started cutting cables by the end of the day uh, just from pure frustration, but yeah. Well, hey guys, thanks for sharing a little bit of your day with me for these stories. I hope you appreciate them and enjoy them. And if you enjoyed this video, do me a favor and give a thumbs up, leave a comment down below, share it with your friends and family if they're into this sort of stuff. We don't want any, uh, we, we don't want anybody jumping on that doesn't really enjoy this stuff. Uh, you know, why torture them with it? And if you're on the podcast version of this show, do me a favor and see if there's a place where you can leave a rating. Leave us a good rating, bad rating, whatever, and uh, let us know what you like and don't like about the show. All right, till then, see ya.